Well, hey, everybody, welcome to New Hope Underground. I am your host this week, uh, Pastor Tyler Shirky, and uh, we are continuing in uh, this series. We've been doing uh, Summer on the Mount, where we have been going through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, and uh, we've been kind of offering supplemental... uh, content, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, each week on top of the actual like Sunday morning message, we always invite in a special guest and to kind of riff through the passage and just make observations and just see what God is showing that person, what we see. And some, and it's almost always, I see different things in the text than even the message I prepared for, which is funny enough. And so today I have a very special guest with me uh, today. Let's give some thunderous applause for Hope Custer. There it is. <laughs> what I should have done was this. <laughs> when I cue, when I cue the applause, sure. I'm like, boy, that's wildly disappointing. There's no applause. Maybe I'll have Darren edit that out, but probably not. <laughs> no, no, you got to keep that. <laughs> well, Hope, how are you doing? Doing great. Thank so, you. I'm thank excited you. to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And so, yeah, just for the sake of the listeners, some some people may be listening and know who you are, but some may not. So, you just want to give just a brief little snapshot of who you are and your connection to New Hope. Sure. Well, my husband and I have been going to New Hope for about four years now. We found it during COVID, which is an interesting thing. Um, Surprised how many, the deck got a little reshuffled for some people during that time. And that's in more ways than one. I agree. I agree. I'm new to the area too, though, Effingham itself. So where are you from? Indiana, Terre Haute. I don't even think, I don't even think I knew that. Yeah. Wow. Terre Haute, Indiana, and uh, all of my children and grandchildren are still roughly in that area. Okay. um, But my husband and I attend here, Um, Clay is his name, and we have- He's a great guy, tall individual. He's very tall. (laughs) That's not saying much coming from me. Yeah. Because everybody's a tall individual he is, to me. He's six foot five. Yeah. I, I tease sometimes and say that because I drive a ridiculously big vehicle, <laughs> for, especially for two people. And yeah. I said, well, it's because I married the Jolly Green Giant. You know? <laughs> That's right. He needs something yeah. big to, he's like in this little yes, compact cannot, car. That doesn't make cannot, sense. Right. And and when we were dating, I was driving a Kia Soul. Oh, yeah. Which he never got into. Not one time. <laughs> <laughs> he probably he was afraid he couldn't That's get out. Right, probably. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But um, we, I have enjoyed uh, just becoming a part of the community here at New Hope. Have had the opportunity now to uh, teach the young ones. Yeah, you work with New Hope kids. Do teach second grade, and I got the honor of teaching both Addie and Lissy. Yeah, both of my daughters, and yeah, uh, we always get to hear about. Miss Hope from Addie. She talks about Miss Hope a lot and very rarely, normally she's running to us. And I remember earlier on, uh, it was probably more last year than this year, Mm -hmm. her not wanting to come to class or not Mm -hmm. wanting to do this or that or whatever, not wanting to do church stuff. But I think God's really moved in her life recently because she was baptized uh, a month, you know, a month or two ago. And it's just like really now, like really enjoys and answer, you know, from what she says, you can correct me, not answers questions and is very involved. Absolutely. And I love because, you know, being the pastor's kid, they do (laughs) have to be at both services. (laughs) And so I think because I teach the second service, you know, 
it can get a little monotonous when they've heard, they you know, know the what, answers. So yeah. we just encourage them to be part of the leadership in that group, oh, you know, cool. and I think this light came on and they thought, Hey, I can do that. I can, That's awesome. you know, share with the kids what I learned in the first service and be a part of that. And, and they've really stepped up to that. Well, Addie has said she wants to be a pastor like her dad. Oh, I we'll see it. We'll that. see if that sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Well, usually what we want to be in second grade doesn't always last. That's what I was going to say. From one preacher's kid to another. <laughs> oh, my man. dad was a pastor oh, man. too, but uh, you know, it's hard to get away from that uh, spirit that gets placed into you early on. I know my parents prayed hard for their daughters, sure. and uh, we're all serving the Lord. And my brother is a pastor over in Indiana, and so they've gone on to heaven both my mother and my father but yeah. i know that they were able to uh witness that before they died and it was a treasure to their heart so yeah for sure yeah well hey let's jump into the text i want to honor your time and uh so yeah we are looking in uh, matthew chapter 6 uh, verses 5 through 15 mm-hmm. uh looking at jesus's teaching on prayer And so uh, I'll just go ahead and read the text, and then we can just kind of make observations and just kind of share things that we feel like God has shown us. This is what Jesus says. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for if you forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive your sins Beautiful passage. Yeah now there's a lot there uh, so yeah, do you, I would just would welcome you if there's any initial observations that you, that you may just noticing things you notice that you just want to point out sure. that struck you. I know I was mentioning earlier too that, and, and we've discussed this, that, um, coming into this passage, um, off of the summer on the Mount and the different, um, uh, services that we've had previous to this brought me in with a different insight because we've really been talking or the pastors have really been talking about uh the the posture of the heart you know how jesus is really in in the sermon on the mount dealing with our hearts and not just with um checking the boxes, you know, at those kinds of things that we do because we think that it's pleasing to God. And so it will check the box. It puts me in the right zone in the right, you know, Avenue, but it, and right, there you go. Right. Because we understand that the word righteous means to be in right standing, but Mm. we also know that 
our righteousness is like a filthy rag, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's God's righteousness. And so when we're sitting there trying to figure out these things, I think that um, as somebody who's come from, you know, being a a preacher's child and the cradle Christian, (laughs) that we have looked at the Lord's Prayer as a formula. Oh, sure. As something that we can do to kind of check the box off. And yeah. it's interesting that he warns beginning in that about vain repetitions. Mm. You know, in, in King James, it actually says, don't be one who indulges in those vain repetitions, right? Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, the Lord's Prayer for some of us has become that vain repetition because mm. we just, we've, we've memorized it. And so everybody, you know, there's almost a sense of awe over the Lord's prayer, but not for the purpose of the Lord, Mm. but for the purpose of that checking the box. Yeah. And and I remember someone asking me this a long time ago, and it's something I, and I I didn't notice it for a long time because somebody had asked me, and because different traditions use the Lord's prayer in different ways Mm -hmm. of saying, is this the type of thing that, it's a, and it, and it can be used as a checkboxing thing. Mm-hmm. Is it a prayer you pray? Like you actually pray the mm-hmm. prayer mm-hmm. or is it, and this is kind of the way I talked about it in my message. I wish we're recording it before I preach my message. So you haven't heard it yet, <laughs> but I am going to talk about it, how Jesus is presenting this model of showing us like what is most important to him. Again, it's right. like, it's connecting to the heart of a model of showing, uh, I mean, the, the metaphor I use is it's almost like swim lessons, I was just going to say, he's teaching you how to posture your yeah. heart for your communication yeah. with God. Because I think the metaphor I use in the message of saying, because I, and, and I've, and I've done this too. And so I don't mean to disparage people who do it because I've done it and probably will still do it. Where mm-hmm. when we say like, oh, like, oh, I don't really pray because praying's hard. And we say, oh, praying's easy. Mm-hmm. Just talk to God, mm-hmm. which that's true. Mm-hmm. Prayer is mm-hmm. just talking mm-hmm. to God. But it's, I noticed that when the disciples ask Jesus, teach us to pray, he doesn't say, just talk to God. Mm-mm. He actually teaches them. Yes. He gives a yes. model of what's most important to mm-hmm. God's heart, what's most important to his heart. And the, the metaphor I use is like when you swim and someone's like, well, I don't know how to swim. You're like, well, mm-hmm. just jump out in the water and flail your arms around. Right. That's ba- you'll float. You'll float. <laughs> That's like, no, you're yeah. you're going to you're going to drown pretty yeah. quick if you're you do that. You're going to swallow some water. Like, there and- are some basics that are good to know. You don't need yeah. to know all the different strokes to sure. be able to swim, but to know some of the basics right. would probably be good. You need to know <laughs> you cannot breathe under the water. Exactly. That's you have the, to hold your that's breath. That's an important thing to know. <laughs> yeah. It is an important thing to well, know. Well, and you know, that's the interesting thing because that's exactly how Christ starts out when he's saying the first thing you do is identify who God is. Yeah. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, he's taking the time to say, you are talking to the creator of the universe. Yeah. That deems a real heart respect. Yeah. Right? And so... And And it's amazing to me that it captures, like that phrase captures both the and I'm using theological mm-hmm. terms when mm-hmm. I say this, the imminence of God mm-hmm. and the transcendence mm-hmm. of he, he is in heaven, this separate, holy other, holy, sacred, apart from this broken exactly. world, but he's also imminent. He's mm-hmm. our father. That's what Jesus yeah. calls this yeah. being who is beyond, who, if anything, deserves our respect mm-hmm. and worship and glory, it's 
God. Right. But he calls him Father. Exactly. Abba Father. <laughs> I remember one time hearing a good friend um, teaching out of a text, and, you know, he was teaching. He said, you've heard um, the most high God, mm. right? And we reference the most high God. But yeah. he said, I want to take a moment to introduce you to the most nigh God. Yeah. Right? The most nigh, the most near God. And I remember just having this epiphany moment that that Mm. God is the same God. This most high God who we reverence is also the most nigh God and has chosen to take residence in our soul, in our spirit, right? And, And commune with us and communicate with us. And so when when Jesus is talking about that communication, the very first thing he's, he's saying is, you're going to have to hold your breath underwater, right? Yeah. You've got to identify who God is. If you can't come to him knowing if you don't treat that, him as holy, that's the most basic part, right? That's he's, the, he's your father, but if you don't most, treat him as holy... That's the most it's, foundational It's part. like trying to breathe underwater. Exactly. And, oh, that's super exactly. good. Whoa. So... There's, that really there's a phrase that what you're talking about the most near God. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that so mm-hmm. much. Made me think of. I just remember. I just actually read this a few weeks ago. It was a quote from. Uh, I think he's German, a German theologian from like the medieval period. Okay. Meister Eckhart. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever heard mm-hmm. the name. I don't know much about him, but I've read some of his stuff and like seen different you know blurbs and stuff here and there. But one of the quotes he's famous for saying is that God is closer to you than your very being Mm. that God is closer to you than you are your own soul and I'm like I'm still unpacking that man. right right like that kind of messes with me and you will be for a long long time I probably won't ever fully get it exactly exactly and then but and I've heard different things like God is closer to you than the air you breathe Mm. and so even when I breathe in the air we breathe yeah and so when I breathe in I'm just like Right? God is closer than that. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> it, it, well, and, and you consider that. Take a breath and you consider how, and this is the nurse nerd in me, you know, yeah. how that oxygen infiltrates your cells. Yeah. God's closer than that. Come on now. Yeah. Preach, preacher. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a beautiful time to just kind of, and, and I think that, I think that Christ is really encouraging this too in the Lord's prayer when he gives this um instruction because again we're not looking at it as a as a box to check but it's almost an encouragement you know like listen you're talking to god right mm. and so when you're talking to god the second thing is you have to identify your need your absolute complete need for him mm. right yeah um and and he that's that's um, epitomized in the phrase of our daily bread, right? You give us our daily bread. And I think, you know, people think, okay, he gives us our, our sustenance on a physical level. But it's so much more. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from every the mouth of God. that comes out of the mouth of God. And so the sustenance is ah, even so that that air infiltrating every cell. So that nearness of God is that sustenance. Mm. I cannot exist without it in him who we live and move and have our being. Oh, so right. Good. So 
to me, when Christ is, is directing this prayer, the first two things is recognize who God is and then recognize your need for him. Yeah. Right. That's the posture. Mm. So if you're just talk to God, yes, just talk to the God of the universe. Recognize who it is. (laughs) Recognize who it is. And then recognize your need for him. You know, I love the scripture that talks that we are able to come boldly into the throne room. But understand what a boldness comes out of. That boldness doesn't come out of, you know, and I love to say I'm the daughter of God. I'm a daughter of the king. But that's not the boldness. The boldness is recognizing who God is and my absolute, complete, sheer need for him. Now I'm getting real bold because I need him, not because I have a right to him or I have. It's not an entitlement. No, it's not an entitlement. It's a necessity that it's like, it's a recognition. I mean, even that the, our father and in heaven things, you know, just side by side of like realizing we have been given the privilege. Yes. Through Christ. And that is the most, I mean, that's the gospel. Yes, exactly. We have access to, through Christ, mm-hmm. the privilege to approach the God of the universe. The God of the universe. I mean, hmm. Right. I need to right. go sit in a corner for yeah. a little bit <laughs> on that That'd one. Probably be okay too, right? Yeah. yeah. No, and that's exactly right. It, and and we have that privilege. It's through Christ, and until we recognize, you know, I was thinking um, the greatest prayer that I ever prayed. Mm was please. Oh my goodness. And yeah. It came at the moment, you know, like I said, I was raised a, a preacher's kid and I, um, was a cradle Christian, but I had my, my times of, you know, swerving off the path and even living in complete disobedience. And so for me at 30 years old, and I can, I can mark it on the calendar mm. at 30 years old. I had just read the book, the oath by Frank Peretti. Mm. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That book just really spoke to where I was at spiritually. And I remember driving from Bloomington, Indiana to, to Linton, Indiana, which was my commute from work and just pulling my 1984 baby blue Buick Regal over. Like, seriously, this is how much it's embedded in my I think you just time-stamped the story. There you go. <laughs> Actually, by yeah, the book, by the right, book as sure, well as sure. the vehicle. Yeah. But pulling over and just saying, please, God. Wow. And in that please was, I can't do it. I'm un- desperation. I'm in- it was complete desperation. It was complete recognition. It was complete recognition of who he was, recognition of my absolute ineptness and inability. And that's not a self-deprecation. That's just recognizing I literally cannot anymore. Mm. And so for me, there's it wasn't a bunch of words. It wasn't flowery. It wasn't, you know... It was just, please, please. Yeah. And there weren't a lot of things that followed it. There were, you know, we talk about repentance and how you repent. And does that mean you're sitting there and you're recounting every sin? Mm, yeah, not necessarily. It, it again is, it's, 
it's the posture. It's probably a good heart. thing that we can't remember. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I did. You know, I remember one time being told by a minister that God had me in this pit. I, I refer to it as the pit of protection and that he does not allow me to see how deep it was because I would, I would give up on crawling out of it. Mm. And so I say all of that to say, because, you know, there have been things that I've encountered in my life and, and I can certainly say, I can see where I was in there, but I can also say that if I did have to go back and recount over everything, I might just go, why God, why would you even? Well, that's probably that. What is, I'm forgetting then which Psalm it is where he says, if you, O Lord kept a record of sins, who could stand? Oh, who could stand? Which it's like, he knows. He knows. He He, does. I mean, there is a record. Yes. But he doesn't cast it on to us. He's relinquishing up because it has been paid. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so I'm so thankful that that's not in, in that please, it was absolute repentance and, and recognition. And that is what God heard. Mm. You know, I could have repeated the Lord's prayer 50 times. Yeah. And there wouldn't have been any, and this isn't sacrilege, this is just fact. There wouldn't have been any more spiritualism or any more the depth to that prayer or those prayers than there was to that moment and that please, just please. Because it came from the heart. Because it came, and it's the posture of the heart. And this is what Jesus is speaking to. He's saying, hey, listen, don't be like the other people who stand out and brag about their prayers and brag about what they've done and everything. They've got theirs, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're getting this recognition. But your communication with God is all about your posture. First in identifying him, first in recognizing your need for, or second in recognizing your need for him. And then ultimately in knowing that the forgiveness I extend to you is greatly dependent on your ability to forgive others. Yeah. Right? Like he doesn't say. And it's funny because people take that text and they and they can almost I feel like at face value it can almost appear like and it's not I know mm-hmm. it's and I talk about this in the message a little bit appear almost like God's a petulant child mm. of like well because you won't forgive I'm right. not going to forgive you hmm. mm, right but it's like it's I think the language that I used and we were talking it's funny for the listener literally my experience with everyone that I do like these supplemental like podcasts with, and it was the same thing with hope is the conversation before the podcast starts. We start talking about the text just a little bit and then we just start mining yeah. gold. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just amazing Absolutely. stuff. And I literally, it's like, cause it ha- it's happened with my wife. It's happened with other people where I'm like, you're going to say wait. that in the <laughs> podcast, right? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Like, this is too yeah. good for like other people not to hear it. Yeah. And so, but you are, I mean, you're sharing all of it, but we started talking about the forgiveness thing, which I think mm-hmm. is powerful. Mm-hmm. And the, the language that I used in the message where I was talking about, it's almost like saying God is communicating this idea that uh, forgiveness is like a pipeline mm. between us and our other relationships and us and him. And when we shut the valve off of saying, I'm not going to forgive, we don't realize that we've actually shut the flow off the other way as well. Exactly. That it's almost him naming a spiritual principle. Absolutely. It's not him being like, well, because you, then I'm going to, but instead of saying like, to help you. Yeah. Right. This is to help you. And, and even that sounds so mealy because it goes so, the, the dynamic is so much deeper than that. 
I think about, and I shared this a little bit, John Bevere wrote The Bait of Satan. Yeah. And one of the principles he talks about is people who have inability to forgive. You know, yeah. they're good Christians that love the Lord, and they're saying, I just can't forgive that. I can't. And there's a bitterness that yes, sets exactly. in there. And he said, I'm convinced that those people cannot forgive because they have not truly understood what they've been forgiven of, Hmm. the depth of how they themselves have been forgiven. And so, again, it is a principle that God is laying out before you. If you can, you know, it's kind of one of those reciprocating things in that the more you recognize, the more you're redeemed in. Mm. The more you recognize, the more you're redeemed in. And so... Well, I mean, Jesus tells, which I think it's told in slightly different ways in the different synoptic gospels of which I think it's, I'm trying to think if it's not Mary Magdalene where, where the woman comes in to, you know, wash mm-hmm. his feet and wipe his, mm-hmm. you know, wipe with her hair and stuff like that. And he says that he who has been forgiven much, much. loves much, he loves much. I remember being at a woman's conference one time and we went over that portion of scripture and I stood up and I said, I think I may be, the most in love person with God right now. And what I said, and I I made sure not to say the most here because I'm not qualifying myself against somebody else. I'm qualifying myself against what I've been forgiven for. Yeah. And I love him because Mm. I know the depths that he's forgiven me. That's not the only reason I love him, but certainly because we are human, that is what, that it makes you realize, I mean, you know, there are times that you've had somebody in your life and maybe they've done something for you and you recognize the sacrifice that they had to give in order to do that for you. Mm. And so you just have, you know, a feeling of ingratiation or, you know, an, 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 there's an indebtedness an to that person. It's funny a, using the language of dead in the prayer, yes. but it's like our debts have been forgiven. And then we realize, Oh gosh, what the the debt that I owe to God that He forgives exactly, and now I can freely give it because it's not being a debt exacted of me. So now I just I freely give this love. Yes, yes, and you know, even in virtue of that person, you know, that would do that thing, and you can't help but feel that, like you said, indebtedness and gracious. So now, ingratiate. I, that's a good word. Everybody who's listening, learn that word, use it, impress your friends, yeah. ingratiate. Yes. That's such a good word. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm just thinking that if we turn that scope a little bit to recognize we have the opportunity to extend mm. that same forgiveness to other people. Yeah. Like a God-given forgiveness of a relinquishing of, you know, we hear a lot in this day and age about how forgiveness isn't for the other person. It's for you. You, you're not holding on to the anchor. And I agree with a lot of that stuff, but understand it is for them too. You've now relieved them Mm. of a bondage. Some have operated under without fully understanding they were even in bondage. Mm. They, I mean, they knew they were in bondage, but maybe not to what and to yeah. what extent. And so that's very much the way we operate. We all of a sudden, having come into the kingdom of God, recognizing 
his forgiveness, mm. have been set free from a bondage we didn't even fully identify. Like we knew we were in bondage, but we didn't understand the scope of it mm. until we were relinquished of it. Can I speculate something just out Absolutely. loud? So I don't know how theologically sound this is going to be. So a <laughs> uh, note for the audio. Uh, I think about what Jesus said to the disciples. This is the end of John's gospel where it says he breathes on them, receive the Holy Spirit. And right after he says, for if you forgive men their sins, they'll be forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they will not, not be forgiven. forgiven. Speculating when yeah. I say this, I wonder if he's speaking a little bit toward that dynamic of, because you're talking about it not just being for your own sure. sake, but the other, mm -hmm. that when we stand before God mm -hmm. and we're judged, mm -hmm certain sins were held accountable for whatever that there might be some sense in and and i'm getting into weird esoteric no, I, things when i, I, I say this what you're saying actually. that there are other people of saying no i've forgiven them of that mm -hmm. that the wrong they did in that act mm -hmm. was toward me mm -hmm. and because i've forgiven them god's like then you're forgiven then you're forgiven i've forgiven you because the, the person you sinned against forgave you of it so i do too exactly Exactly. So that shows the importance to the other person of even on judgment day. Now, again, once right. again, I'm, I'm speculating on this, but it's like, I no, wonder if there's something connected I to that. I agree. I agree because again, you know, and, and we say these things that, that are kind of self-helpish stuff, you know, yeah. this is, it's for you. Forgiveness is for you. And like, I get that with the bitterness I, and I, it makes sense, but it's not the whole picture. I do. And even the people who... Okay, let's take a situation where somebody has, and, and I don't want to even say something, but an atrocity towards you. Yeah. So now you've forgiven them. Who knows but that that spiritual bondage is broken for them so mm. that they're able to not walk in that again. And maybe even to know the Lord. To know the Lord. Which you think about literally just the week before, I think it was yeah the week just this last week jonathan mm. talking about pray for those who mistreat you yes. yes that i wonder what element the fact that then he goes into this aspect about prayer and forgiveness and things like that that even for your enemies that you don't just pray for your friends and your loved ones exactly. you pray for your enemies and well and what strongholds are the are those prayers breaking breaking and and leaving openings for that person to for their heart to be changed exactly and exactly and then we move on as we're praying for those who despitefully use us we've forgiven and we move into that place of praying for them like yeah. not just forgiving them, but praying for them, praying for those openings, praying for those laborers in the in the harvest, yeah. praying for those opportunities for someone to come across their path and speak God to them. Yeah, you know, and and praying for them to move in the fullness of being released of that bondage. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, wouldn't you want somebody to pray over you like that? Absolutely. I well, mean, it always makes me think. We're always talking about loving your enemies. Sorry, I'm going back no, a little no. bit to Jonathan, but I think it connects to this. Well, I. And can I just say that too? It's Sermon on the Mount, and we're reading it and and moving in it as a series. But this was he was standing up. Of course, it's all connected. Yeah, of course, it's, it's one all, sermon. Yes, of <laughs> course, it's all him. Though saying, "It's your heart I'm interested in." Yeah, so and, good. and this is why it's your heart that I'm interested in. The rest of it is just fluff and chafe. It's your heart. Yeah. 
but that idea of like loving your enemies, mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis, the way he defined love, uh, he, and I just, I love this definition. It says to be willing to, it, it's to will and work for the good of another. Yes. That you want good for them, but you're also willing to work, work for, for it, it, to mm-hmm. do so, to act mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good for, for another. And it's like to begin, like, Man, at what point do you begin to will the good for your enemy or even work, work for the good to, of your enemy? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and that's why I loved even the way they talked about it, which, and I alluded that we'd be talking about prayer, you know, at the end of that service of saying, I mean, you really have to start with prayer. That's why he says, pray for your enemies, because there's a heart change that has to occur in me that, man, if I'm holding on to unforgiveness against that person, uh, man, there's no way that I'm going to pray for them. I'm not going to will or much less work for the good of that person. But as soon as I do, I mean, that's the language that I think Paul uses. It's like it's heaping burning coals on oh, their head. Yes, not absolutely. as a vindictive not, thing, no. but of saying it's this deep burning conviction mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. how could this person that I wronged possibly show love toward me? Exactly. And, and God, forgive. And mm-hmm, God can use that. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. And so yeah. those are the actual fibers of communicating with God. Yeah. You so know, that's good. just the absolute yeah. necessity. Yeah. It's so good. Able, yeah. Well, Hope, thank you so much for joining. Sorry, Man, this we is. Got... <laughs> oh, no, no. I was going to say, this isn't about doing a verse by verse. We cover every tiny little thing. It's just observations. And I think those couple things that we talked about, that was what the Spirit wanted Absolutely. us to talk about. That's where Absolutely. it was going. It, it there was a, there, I could see a desire in you to talk about those things. And it fanned something in me that mm-hmm. that was what we needed to talk about. Excellent. And so thank you so much for joining Absolutely. us today. Thanks for having me. And so uh, we will see you all next time on New Hope Underground. That's the wrong thing. There it is. Internet.